Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And on the turntable this week, we've got This Is Alphabet by Alphabet. And Dan, what an album this is, actually. Uh, what a great fun album it is. Fun is definitely the right word. We often say that throughout an album, don't we, when perhaps there's... Not a lot to say about the track, but we just like it, so we say, what a fun song. With this, it's what a fun album, but hopefully we've got lots to say about it as well. Otherwise, it's going to be a very short episode. Uh, it should be a lovely change. Yes. Um, so, Alphabet, Danish pop band from Silkeborg. Dan, have you ever been? Not yet, but it is on my long list. Oh, that's lovely. Um, the lead singers are a, a twosome. We've got Steen or Stein. Um the lovely lady, and I'm sure she would mind me saying this, she's a pint-sized pop star. I think she might mind you saying that. You've got to be quite careful. Uh, and Anders, who is the gentleman uh, of the of the relationship. And um, they're also joined by four strapping lads that form part of the band, play various instruments. Um, they've been with us since 2007, and more significantly in the UK since 2008. But they've been away for a little while as well, haven't they? Yes, but almost to try and steal the thunder from us in doing this podcast this week, uh, they only bloody released a new single on Friday. Well, in their own words, they're back from vacation. I like to think that they're actually supporting the podcast and you know, we're hoping to drum up a bit of uh, publicity for us by getting back together. Uh, and your play on words, though, it hasn't been lost on me because I know the drummer of the band... Yes, Trolls. I hope I'm saying his name right because we've conversed via email many times. We haven't actually spoken on the phone or in person, so... Oh, a pen friend. A pen friend from afar. Uh, Is that when you you did an exchange programme when you were at school? I used to have... um, The Royal Mail used to run a a pen friend club called Hola. Um, Was was you a part of that? No, but I was in the uh, News Around Press Pack, if that means anything to you. Absolutely not. Should we scroll on? Yes, so we're talking today about This Is Alphabet, which was their first album, or Alphabet as it was known back in Denmark. We're going to be talking about the international version of the album today, which is a slightly rejigged track listing. It's definitely the right thing to do. Also, we, we love an anniversary here, and fans who also appreciate a special day aren't going to be disappointed. Today marks 12 years since this album was released. This very version of the album was released in the UK. Uh, and if you had to, if you had to kind of classify what the alphabet sound is, Dan, where would they fall? It's an interesting one because dance pop, Euro pop, indie. It is pop, isn't it? But it's it's that kind of credible pop where you know it is a band. It's a full band doing it. It's not just a load of machines putting that together. They write the music themselves as well. There's some different hints of different genres within it that we're going to hear, a bit rockier stuff, a bit more synth-led stuff. When we get into it and start listening to those real uh, well-known singles, that is pure pop, isn't it? And Dan, what's your memories of Alphabet? Because I, I must confess, I loved them when they were first on the scene back in the late noughties. Fascination was the first track I remember hearing of theirs. And I just remember loving it straight away because back then, I music for me was meant to be fun. 
and so the, you know that did it for me and then the rest of the tracks didn't disappoint um but i didn't see them live you did see them live i did a few times actually back in the bristol days um and they were it was it's just always such a fun dancey night um and the vibe they created at their gigs they were clearly having a great time the audience were having a great time um uh, and even the door staff were having a great time oh this should really have been a bit more responsible oh i'm sure they were hmm i i'd imagine that they wore very bright clothes uh lots of different colors each well no uh, black black suits the band, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and I'd imagine there's a little bit of confetti. Oh, beaucoup de confetti. Fantastic. Sorry to... You've confused me. I'm going to have to translate that. Should we put a song on and I can have a bit of time to do that? Yeah, let's get stuck in, actually. So, side one, track one, Fantastic Six. Fantastic Six from the Fantastic Six themselves. Oh, that's yes, I get it now. Um, I'd actually like to use a, a Will Warrenism, if I may. Go ahead. I really like how they set out their stall with that song. <laughs> it feels like you know this is what you're going to get from the album. You're going to get big pop sounds. You're going to get uh, really nice beats. You're going to get a lot of fun. Yeah, I love it. It's a little bit of a scattered approach as well. The vocals, the instruments. It's just such a wonderful uh, melange. Sorry, I'm a French dictionary. Uh, <laughs> Ooh la la. <laughs> Absolutely. I like this elements of it and this whole Fantastic Six thing that it feels like almost like a children's, like a, a 1990s CBBC um, sort of theme song. But also, I like the nods to Major Tom and the kind of David Bowie thing as well. Um, I love the male-female kind of, you know, how they're singing at each other. And whereas some bands like um, Fleetwood Mac or Scissor Sisters, I think they're actually quite similar to Scissor Sisters in some ways, and some very different in others. Well, they were, they were around at the same time, actually. Very yeah. much part of that pop um, pop uh, landscape back in the late noughties. I thought you were searching for a French word there. <laughs> um, the French, the pop maison, if you will. It's mm, not as strong. Um... <laughs> um, Alphabet are what Sister Sisters would have been if they were born and raised in Denmark and vice versa for if Alphabet were born and raised in New York City. Different values. Yes. <laughs> Family values. <laughs> um but I do want to say that, yes, acts like Fleetwood Mac and Sisters, they kind of tend to take turns in their verses, whereas here they're just swapping lines and uh, trousers. And trousers, yes, and why not? It's 20, well, it's 2007 when this was released, but it's, it's the modern world. It was all fine back then as well. Yes. So, great start. Uh, should we have a bit more? Uh, please. Uh, track number two, Fascinating. <laughs>
not the first time I'm going to say this. What a cracking end to the song. Yes, and we love we love an outro on here, uh, on here as as in this podcast, uh, and that's brilliant. Also, just a brilliant pop song. It's fantastic, isn't it? This for me, and I think you kind of could tell quite instantly with this one. Feels like it's going to be a timeless wedding song. And let's not forget, I've got the responsibility of putting together the playlist for my brother's wedding in only a few months now. Is it on? Is it on the playlist? Well. I don't know if he's going to be listening, but um, it feels like it should be. Having said that, there's a song coming up which was his favourite Alphabet song, which I remember vividly because, you know, they're not really his kind of thing. He was much more of a, a Tupac fan at the time, actually. A uh, Tupac fan? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and just to put a bit of meat on the bones, so this fascination was the um, it was actually the first single, second single. Fantastic Six was released as a limited edition 12-inch vinyl in the UK prior to the release of Fascination. So I guess you could call that, although they wouldn't have used this phrase at the time, a buzz track. And this would have this is the first single proper Fascination, but technically second single. Did really well. Number six in the UK singles chart and number four in their native Denmark. How wonderful. And sorry to take a couple of inches off you, but I believe it was a 10-inch release. Oh. Always bring me down to earth with a bump. Well, as as he should be. But yeah, fascination. It's very of that time. I think it takes me back to that time. But also, it sounded as fresh as a daisy just then. It just works. <laughs> Where on earth have you got that from? I I don't know. <laughs> Something it's you picked popped on. into my head. So track three now, and ten thousand nights. I have to say, that, I think, is my favourite song on the album. That is my favourite song of theirs, I think. Do you know what? I, th- I thought you were going to say that, because it's a bit heavier, it's a bit rockier. The guitars are very much more present there. Yeah, definitely. And I think that people probably wouldn't expect that musicianship from Alpha B if they just heard Fascination, or even if they just heard some of the latest stuff that was kind of more relying on an 80s sort of synth sound, but... This song really, really does build, and towards the end, and again, a fantastic, fantastic outro, the piano gets really heavy, and whoever's playing that, I'm sorry to not name-shake you, going crazy, like sort of Elton in his coke fuel Going like the clappers. Yes, absolutely. Uh, The guitar picks up as well. The the shared vocals are kind of all over the place in the best possible way. These elements come together, but it begins just with that vocal and piano, and I love how it just... Pulls the rug from under you. Third single, top 17 hit. So it's number 16 in both the UK <laughs> and Denmark. What was fun, What was funny? Uh, top 17. It was a top 16 hit, really. It sounds a little bit better. Well, top 16 hit, then, if we're being uh, strictly uh, pedantic. Well, as always. Uh, it's your hall- hallmark. Yes. Your joie de vie. What is with the French? Oh, it's alphabet, isn't it? Danish, man. Oh, <laughs> Okay, if you insist. Now, you mentioned before you've seen them live 
a few times back in the, the Bristol days, as you said, which does sound like part of your autobiography series. When is that released? Um, October, just in time for the lucrative Christmas oh, uh, book market. I do hope Rich and Judy put it in their book club. Um, <laughs> so I, I haven't seen them live. What was this song like? Because I imagine this was an absolute tour de force. It raised the roof and blew it down the road. Because uh, as you can imagine, you know, the, all of the instruments, the drums, the guitars, just such a, I'm not going to say wall of sound, because we've obviously used that phrase a lot. Too many old, times. But um, it was it was barnstorming. That probably is the right word for it, actually. I imagine. Hopefully, now they're back, especially for us, we'll get to see them together. Oh, I'd, oh, I'd love to see them. Shall we pinky promise? Definitely. It's on tape. Yes. Now. It's on audio tape. The pinky promise isn't, because you can't really hear that. No. How, how would that sound? Like... Oh, that's a... No, that's, that's a different kind of pinky promise. <laughs> Let's move on. Draw um, a veil over that, definitely. But this next song might be the right one for what you're insinuating. This is Boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just Belter, I think you would say. I, I would say that. You're bang on there, actually. It's a great track. And my probably my second favourite ever Alphabet track. I love the uh, the back and forward between Steen, Stein uh, and Anders. I feel like we should settle on one of those names. Stein. Stein. And Anders. Uh, so we're very sorry if that's not how you pronounce it. Yes, forgive our ignorance. It is a fantastic song. What I really like about this is that it sounds... Very much like Alpha Beat, it fits perfectly on the album. But actually, there's something a little bit more polished, a bit, a bit of a shine about that um, compared to the previous tracks. Not to um, uh, not to diss the previous tracks. As diss, I'm trying to bring that word back. It's not really picking up. Um, Are you all going to release a diss record and release a diss track, aren't you? A diss track on um, Alpha Beat, actually. No. It's um, gonna, you're going to call it girlfriend. It's going to be your response. Oh, like um, I hate you back. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Eamon and then yeah. Frankie. Yeah. Goodness me. Taking me right back. The reason for that might be that this is the first track produced by uh, someone different. So Mike Spencer produced this and some tracks further on in the album. Mike Spencer, you may well know for, well, one of his earliest um, hits was Spinning Around by Kylie. But it's gone through some fantastic stuff. Uh, after this song, including work with Foxes, Years and Years, um, Jamiroquai, um, Rudimental. So, yeah, some really sort of um, big hitters. A couple of tracks I loved, actually. Figure Apes by Ellie Goulding. That's my favourite one of hers. It was probably the best one on that album and one of the best songs that she's done. Uh, there was another one as well. Uh, Love Me Again by John Newman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It sounds like my share impression. <laughs> uh, Zara Larson is also worked with Rizzle Kicks Once by Dana Vickers. That's another great that one. That was a classic, wasn't it? That was, wow, 2010. So he's got a very alluring body of work. Yes. And 
So Mike Spencer, as I mentioned, produced this version of Boyfriend. The previous tracks were done by Rune Westberg. Now, we mentioned before that there were two versions of the album. Alphabet, released in Denmark, and then this is Alphabet. On Alphabet, Rune Westberg produced everything. And on this is Alphabet, um, the, those first three tracks we've heard were produced by Rune Westberg. But Mike Spencer had a hand in some of the others, including this one. But on the digital version of the album, on Apple Music and whatnot, you can also get the original version of Boyfriend. Uh, did moderately better than the previous singles. This was the fourth single, got to number 15 in the UK. Uh, and number 11 in Denmark. So, are you not going to keep doing the European and... No, because I had some feedback after last week's pink debacle. Mm. I wasn't a debacle, it was a very good episode. It was a fantastic episode, well done. Some would say we trotted through 19 tracks quite quickly, but some would say they like the bite-sized commuting length of our podcast. Well, do let us know at Move to Trash UK on Twitter. Uh, we'd love to know your feedback on lengths and girths. And I, no, so the, the point I was trying to make was that... What was the point I was trying oh. to make? <laughs> oh, yes. Positions so in. some feedback from last week was I really got hung up about uh, Pink's success in Germany. Mm. Um, and uh, I inflamed the Eurosceptics, I think, a bit. So I'm going to pull that back a bit this week. Yes. Some of the Brexiteers weren't too happy with your inclusion of um, those European stats throughout the episode. Inclusion is an illusion. Wow. Have you just made that up? No, it's used a lot. I've never heard it, so it can't be. Track number five now, and Dan, this is something you're always asking with a very puzzled look on your face. What is happening? talking a lot about the end of the tracks in this episode which obviously we sit here and we listen to the whole song um, sadly the listeners don't get that chance during the episode but do after this do go and listen to the whole tracks on the album because it's some fantastic beginning middle and ends there and Dan I had to be reminded by you when we were on our conference call earlier on in the week planning out um, what we were going to be talking about that this was actually a single this was a single yes I don't think it quite got top 17 though no, it's just shy of the top 17, actually. It did. It reached the dizzying heights of number 110 in the UK singles chart. So it's a top 111 track, then. Or 110, you might say. Well, quite. But that doesn't matter, because this is actually a song that I forget how much I like. When I think about it, I think about, oh, it was that single they released a bit later, it was that ballad... Um, that's what my brain tells me but when I hear it my heart tells me that actually it's a fantastic song another like 10,000 Nights it's got some more of the organic elements and I think throughout these first few tracks that we've loved we've talked about how you know we're both a massive fan of them but normally the things we love are those electronic kind of Pet Shop Boys Stuart Price etc the things we can't not say every episode um, so it's quite interesting that we really like these tracks built of organic instruments but what a crescendo on this one 
I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, oh, McDonald's farm then. <laughs> oh, sorry, listeners. There's someone wandering around outside in a high vis jacket outside the office. He's starting a protest against good pop music. Hmm. It's another thing they're standing against now, is it? Are they standing for anything? Uh, it's so hard to tell, isn't it? Oh, no. I think it's just a workman actually. Oh, just send cook out with a broom. <laughs> um, sorry. So yeah, a great, a good track and a almost a hit single. Almost. Probably a hundred places shy of a hit single. Now, we talked just before that about some negative feedback. There was another piece we got last week actually about how we were singing other Max Martin songs over the Max Martin songs that he wrote with Pink, uh, specifically "Since You've Been Gone" over. One of them. Um, yes, and actually we were just guilty of doing something similar just then. As if we were, hadn't learnt our lesson, we were singing Come On Eileen over the over this song. Yes, which reminds me of uh, one of my very uh, favourite dad jokes. I don't know if you're aware of it. No. Um, I was at a disco just the other night and the DJ played Twist and Shout. So I twisted and shouted and then the DJ played Jump. Oh no! Don't finish. So the I joke. jumped. <laughs> don't don't do it to yourself or to the listeners. Okay then. So time to move on to the next one, and this is go go. Yeah, keeps messing up my lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> fun song a very fun song this for me when listening to the cd in my peugeot 206 was always sort of the first non-single and the first kind of real getting into the album tracks which actually wasn't the case was it because it was a single it was a single fifth single so it was it came before what is happening uh it was only released in denmark so i can be forgiven i think on this occasion yes yes yeah but a fun song a very again it's got that Mike Spencer sort of shine on it. It's still, the elements of the band are still there, but it does feel a little bit more polished, not quite as of an organic, rock-tinged jam. No, it's got the whimsy and lightness of a summer's day. What a lovely, really lovely phrase, yeah. Thank you very much. And another difference between the original version of the album and and this version, this is Alphabet, this track didn't appear, actually, on the first oh, really? version. So there's a couple of differences. There's a couple of tracks on there that don't appear in this album at all. So there's Into the Jungle and Ocean Blue and The Hours. Uh, so listeners, if you have 15 minutes, check those out. Please do. And The Hours, actually, um, a song they wrote, uh, they submitted as the theme for the Nicole Kidman horror, but was uh, sadly wasn't chosen. Yeah, I couldn't imagine that. Is that true? No. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Gotcha, where's Jeremy Beadle? (laughs) (laughs) He's dead. Right, track number seven now then, and uh, one he would have liked actually. Touch me, touching you. Uh (laughs) Aha!
Will, do you like Touch Me Touching You? The song? Yes. Full stop. Yes. <laughs> um, what a lot going on in that song. Um, what a lot to unpack, as we would say sometimes in that song. Um, a, com- a completely different approach in that. But I love everything that's going on there. Yeah, very much so. Similarly, it reminds me, I think there's that bass that's kind of running throughout it. I can imagine being on a treadmill with a bright neon sweatband on. And clothes as well. Well, not just the bright one. Where would the neon sweat... No, no, no. Sort of a Borat mankini style. <laughs> but just with one strap. Um, Everything flapping about like a <laughs> Christmas turkey. And it just gets quite warm in there, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> not inside the sweatband, inside the gym. <laughs> on to the song. Um, um, do you know what? I have a very specific memory of this track. Oh, after that, what I've just spoken no, about. No, completely unrelated. Anyway, featured at the start of an episode of Gavin and Stacey. Just the first ten seconds. Was you a big Gavin and Stacey fan? Yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. Uh, I know James Corden's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think the ensemble, sorry about the French, yeah. um, in that show is was really strong, uh, ignoring Gavin and Stacey. But you did that fantastic impression of Stacey not so long ago. From the Christmas special? Yes. yes. Do you want to? No, listeners can go back and re-enjoy that Which episode. Which episode was that, actually? Uh, I think it was one of the Christmas New Year's episodes. I think it's more recent. They'll have to listen to them all, I think. Basically. Uh, yeah. Find it that way. This song reminds me very much of almost them covering a sort of 80s sort of hair metal, you know, like Bon Jovi or something like that, because of the elements make up, particularly those the synths kind of blast out and there's that falsetto vocal there from I, th- I assume it's some of the other members of the band and not just mm, they're in the mix there you can definitely hear them they're, I think it's all about the rhythm with this one it's got a really nice rhythm to it you were sort of doing a little shuffle when that was going yeah on. a, a bit, bit of a shimmy and a shake actually yes, yes. Uh, so that was Touch Me Touching You uh, track 8 now uh, is Rubber Boots I was going to be talking about the album artwork at this point. Well, Cook and I actually had a little bit of a wager on it. Um, and I this is the one I felt you'd be talking about the album. I, I feared you might be talking about the album artwork on. Not at all. It's a lovely, synth-heavy track. I could almost imagine listening to this whilst driving through the night in a sports car with like neon lights passing by. Mm, definitely. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. It's not that moment because for me, this is one of the real highlights actually. And this always has been a favourite of mine on there. It's got, it really has got more of those Cynthia sounds. Oh, our old friend is back She's again. She's back. She was here last week with Pink. Cynthia sounds. I think she'll be making regular guest stops. And she's very welcome. And absolutely. But yes, Alphabet featuring Cynthia sounds there. I. She's like the third member of this this ensemble. Yes. In a very creepy way, actually. 
I think what I like about this song is it does fit within the mix of the album. But if you played this to someone who hadn't heard the full album and just knew of 10,000 Nights and Fascination, they probably would not guess that this was an Alphabet track. You're bang on there, actually, I think, because it is. And that's what I love about this as, an, as a collection of songs for a first album. They're really showcasing some range here. Mm. And this is, even at track eight, a welcome change of pace, but not because we're bored of that kind of, the kind of lightweight, very jolly sound. Yeah. Uh, it's just a great mix. But one phrase that's used to describe there, uh, you know, there's so many kind of multi-genres now. And if you look, not that I would use Wikipedia as a reliable source, but um, one of the genres that it puts them under is wonky pop. I love that genre. Wonky pop. Yeah. What's your favourite wonky pop act other than Alpha B? Um, well, I think you could have originally, back at this time, Calvin Harris was probably in that category. What a fantastic that, comeback. I thought I was going to stump you there. That first album, which is on the list, actually, was it I Created Disco? Yeah. It's just wonky pop. Perfection. Yes. And interestingly, of course, he's done lots of hits instead and done some very different things, but the production of this song and the soundscape of those synths and particularly some of the moments where quite a few nice gaps in between the vocals where it's just very playful the synth I really cannot describe enough how much I love this song you've done a very good stab at it <laughs> actually uh, one thing I wanted to ask actually is I don't know if you can remember that far back um, but do you remember if they played this when you saw them I can't and I mean, this isn't a new New Order situation this is a genuinely can't remember situation but I can remember the last time I saw them they were touring the second album and they played pretty much every track of the second album peppered with um, some of the older hits from this album. But I just can't remember the details mm. and I'm very sorry about that. Well, it's not a problem. Actually, what I haven't mentioned yet is that I haven't seen them live, as I mentioned, but I nearly almost could have seen them live. It's quite cryptic, isn't it? Yes. Um, so I don't know if you know about this. When Spice Girls got back together back in 2002, Seven, I think, was it when they when they began their Return of the Spice Girls tour? They offered Alphabet to do to be the opening act, and Alphabet turned it down. You know what? There's a certain amount of integrity there that you can only admire because it just wasn't right for them at the time. Well, I think they said that they were kind of they were very new, so they were just kind of used to these smaller venues, and they wanted to concentrate on you know perfecting themselves. And they just felt it would be strange to suddenly be in front of, you know, a, a, the O2 Arena and how many tens of thousands of people that holds. A load of screaming uh, fans. Yes, yes. It's, I kind of wish that um, Jess Glynn would have had that stance and not been open oh, for them. Jess, stop calling. We're not gonna. We're not gonna do you on the podcast. It's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> um, and you're not that kind of artist. <laughs> Time to move on now. Yeah, let's draw a veil over Jess. Uh, track number nine now, Public Image. You never listen to a word that I said. You only see me for the clothes that I wear. Or did the interest go so much deeper? It must have been the colour of my hair. there a cover of a track by public image limited otherwise known as 
John Lydon or Johnny Rotten's other band after Sex Pistols. Are you a Public Image Limited fan, Will? Not really. Okay, let me ask again. Are you a Public Image by Alphabet fan? Not really. It's a fantastic moment to talk about the album artwork. Um, and there's actually two to talk about. So, first of all, the international version cover, which is a collection, a beautifully put together collection of different letters and different colours and different typefaces. Um, that uh, when you look at it closely, it does spell out this is Alphabet, which would make a, pe- a fantastic piece of artwork to have. And I would, I wouldn't just have it in the office. I would go so far to say that that would be lovely in my actual home. Hmm. Sort of messing with the work-life balance a little bit there, but I can see why. It's it's always reminded me a little bit of those really old-fashioned building blocks you'd get in a child's nursery. And I think you'd see a lot less of them in children's nurseries these days. Not that I spend a lot of time looking at toys in nurseries, but quite an old-school thing. Yes, definitely. Very Mary Poppins. The, yes, the original album cover from the uh, Danish release... Uh, it's much more traditional, uh, a circular alphabet logo, pink background, and then you've got all the band there. I have to say, one of the band members uh, looks like a young Moby, uh, and they're all dressed in such a way as it's definitely 2007. You've got scarves being worn by the guys, you've got a jaunty belt being worn there, you've got glasses being worn for fashion, it's all going on. And I have to say, I think I was guilty of most of those things. A jaunty belt? Many jaunty belts, worn on the side as well. I had the buckle on my hip. <laughs> buckle on my hip. That'd be a great album title. <laughs> well, when you release the Bristol years, I'm releasing my debut album, The Buckle on My Hip. Funny you should mention Moby, actually, because he, he does feel like the kind of artist we should be talking about on this podcast. Um, and I think if we don't talk about his play album sometime soon, I might burst. Right, or leave. Uh, or both. Mm. Burst and leave. Or oh, leave, then burst. Sounds... I try not to burst on the stairs. <laughs> it does feel like, however, since the original album cover, um, that photo was taken, they had a bit of a makeover sort of in the, over the next year when they became a little bit more high profile. Oh, yes, definitely the second album. They And although a lot of the videos didn't have a great budget, I think they looked fantastic. You can almost imagine them at home the night before doing their arts and crafts to get all the props ready. Yeah. Well, good for them. Yeah. Everyone likes a homemade effort. Yes, exactly. Blue Peter. Yes. Not that they'd have known about that sort of thing. Uh, no. And we covered that in the Sofa Lispector episode a few weeks ago. So on to the last track of the album. We're not going to be talking about the bonus remix alternate versions on here. It's not part of our belief system, but we invite you to... Unless it, suit, unless it suits us. Yes, and in which case it definitely will. If it doesn't this week. No. So, track number 10, Nothing But My Baby. For us, the reason we do this podcast, and we say it so often, but it's all about the craft of the album, the order of the album, the opener, the closer, and everything in between. I really, really enjoyed this as an album closer, and particularly, and again, we were talking a lot today about the end of the album, at the end of the tracks, 
those last few seconds, it's just the attention to detail. How about you? I love the fact it's a bit more stripped back. It's all about their voices. A bit of feedback towards the end, sonically as well there. Mm. Funny you should talk about the voices, because we haven't really touched upon the vocal talent. We've talked about how they work together, but vocally they are fantastic, and I hate to single, single anyone out, but Stein in particular really hits some notes, doesn't she? Yeah, and I'm sure Anders wouldn't mind me saying this, but he often takes a back seat and is to be found with a tambourine in his hand while she does a lot of the heavy lifting with the vocals. I think he might mind you saying that, actually. It's almost putting him down a little. No, not at all. It's just an observation. No, I'm, um, I'm sure he would But wouldn't. they're both fantastic vocalists. They are. This, as you said, it's great. It strips it back. Sometimes it can feel like um, a, a closing track is leading the way on to what's coming next. And I feel like, actually, that this is a bit of a curveball because it doesn't do that. We, we know that the next album was a lot more... Cynthia was back, shall we say. But what I really do like is that this was the closer on the other version of the debut album, whereas the opener was different. It started with 10,000 Nights on the original one and Fantastic Six on the one we've listened to today. But they did feel, obviously, that nothing but my baby is the right way to close it. And it's what a, and I, I said it earlier, but what a wonderful collection of tracks on this debut album. Brilliant. So we're on to our further listening, and Dan, I'd love to invite you to go first. Uh, thank you very much. So, as we've said, I, this debut album was a huge favourite of mine at the time. I'm sad to say, and for reasons I'm not quite sure of, the second one completely passed me by. Um, I don't know what I was doing at that point in my life. I probably shouldn't really get into details now on this podcast anyway. Prison? Uh, I'm not at liberty to divulge any further information. However, since this album has been on our list, I've listened to a little bit more of Alphabet. And what I really like about the second album is how, to use the phrase again, they set out their stall from the get-go. So my further listening track is the opening track and the title track to The Beat Is. It's The Beat Is. I mean, I'm a big fan of this second album. I love the cohesive sound, that kind of 90s dance spin this whole album has running through it. Um, and this is a great opener. Yes, definitely. Uh, as I say, I've been listening to it while we've been preparing for this podcast and, and I think I will have to give it a little bit more time because sometimes you don't quite pick up everything, do you, from the first few listens? It does take a little bit longer. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know this album a little bit more and maybe even the one after, which I have to say I haven't actually heard any of. Uh, don't don't worry about it too much. <laughs> so, Will, what is your choice of further listening? So, I am going to have a slightly curved ball today. <laughs> oh, have you sat down for me? <laughs> <laughs> With a remix. And this is a remix of Boyfriend, the song we both really like. Um, and this is the Pete Hammond remix of Boyfriend. Oh, yeah, you do got me, but my baby's taking my hand and we're walking and talking. And my parents, they don't want to see 
might think sounds familiar is I think it's a common thing with Pete Hammond's remixes. Sounds very stock Aiken and Waterman, PWL, uh, almost a retro remix. The sort of thing that Initial Talk are doing a lot now. And I, I have to be quite honest, I don't know who Initial Talk are. Check them out. I will. I'll pop it in Bing later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you think? I really enjoyed it actually, and the, what you said before about PWL and Stock Aiken Waterman, um, it's definitely there. They this sort of synthy horns who sounds like a distant relative of Cynthia Sounds. Um, the the that's real... her porn name. Oh dear, <laughs> <laughs> the horns. <laughs> There's a real bubbling beat throughout it. It it actually reminded me very much of I Should Be So Lucky. I can't even know for anyone who's yeah, so great observation. Uh, yeah, well done on that observation. Oh, thank you very much. Um, and I have to say, one to check out if you haven't heard it, Dan and listeners, the Pete Hammond remix of Mini Vivas, I Left My Heart in Tokyo. Oh, there's, there is Xenomania production. Xenomania production. Sadly. Sadly, def- long defunct, but they had um, a few excellent pop songs, mm. which we probably unfortunately never talk about because they didn't really do an album. Uh, maybe we'll do an album of uh, an episode of One Hit Wonders or something, but uh, well, I don't know. Who knows what the future holds? Yes, or spin-off. I don't know. But they you're, you're thinking out loud now. Yes, um, but the Pete Hammond remix of I Left My Tokyo is is sensational. Well, I will give it a listen. On the subject of remixes, actually, Fascination was remixed by Frank Music. Now, as soon as I was reminded of that in researching this episode. I thought to myself, I bet Will was a big Frank Music fan. Yeah, lovely young man. Did some great stuff. Around the same time as Alphabet, actually. Yeah. But back to the Bristol years. Yes. um, Alphabet and Frank Music were both part of them. And around that time as well, in the live lounge, Alphabet, I believe, covered Sam Sparrow's Black and Gold. Oh, and another song that was just totally that era as well. Well, what I, a great period, actually. Whatever that now, that's what Alpha Music is of that time. I'd love to dig that out, actually. Well, you do that over the next week. Because uh, we're out of time. For, we're out of time. Sadly. Um, so what do you think about Alpha Beat? Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts as ever. Yes, it's at Move to Trash UK on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Well, slash Facebook. Anyway, it's also hashtag track by track. Um, would be great. We'd love to know... Are you a fan? Are you excited for what's to come with Alphabet? Will, what are you hoping for from Alphabet? From Alphabet, I'd love, I mean, certainly encouraged from what we've heard over the last few days. I'd love something that's a mixture of the first two albums with a bit of a 2019 twist. Yes. Hopefully that's what we're going to get. I feel like it is. Before we go, um, quick shout out. Actually, our sister podcast is back. Yes. Torn Stubbs Series 2 started last week. They, like us, they did a whole run of episodes and then they're now back with different series focusing on different directors. So I'm not going to give too much away. Just have a listen. If you want to join Rob and Joshua for heavy sarcasm and in-depth film knowledge, I won't tell you who does which. (laughs) Um, You have to listen to find out. Um, Their new episodes and previous episodes, all available, movestrash.co.uk. Yes. Will, can you give us a hint of a tease of what we can expect from next week? She's a a lady. She she is an Australian lady Mm -hmm. uh, with a very famous sister, and that's all I'm going to say. We've kind of given it away there. No, no, it's wide open. Is it Dame Edna (laughs) Reveridge? Don't forget, you can subscribe and do leave a lovely 
or honest rating or comment on Apple Podcasts. But until next time, I've been Cynthia Sounds. And I've been Pete Hammond. Goodbye. Goodbye.